Welcome to Opus Private Clients Wealth Style Podcast. All of the material discussed on our podcasts have specific themes, and that's to move your wealth and lifestyle forward, increase your purpose, and provide you with clarity and confidence. Opus's mantra is always forward. We have found that regardless of one's wealth, moving your lifestyle forward is the number one priority for our clients. On our podcast, we'll share our rich 35 years of experience in designing strategies, share clients' experiences, and introduce resources that have positively impacted our clients. We trust that you will enjoy our direct, transparent, and realistic approach to positively impacting the quality of you and your family's lives. Now, on to the show. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Opus Well Style Podcast. I'm Ivan Watanabe here with my partner, Evan Wall. Evan, how are you? I'm doing great. How's it going today? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. And we're really excited to have on Alfonso Ruggiero, a great friend of the Opus family, also uh, a former, very successful Audi sales executive. Um, Alfonso, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, we, 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 uh, we really appreciate you coming on. You know, we were just talking about this. The car buying world and experience is so foreign to everybody who's not in the business, yeah. right? And yeah, so, absolutely. you know, we always have a lot of questions about, you know, should we be buying or leasing or how do we structure a deal? So for today, you know, we're excited to have you on to kind of give us the ins and outs of of buying a car or leasing a car as, as sort of an insider. Okay. All right. Sounds great. Sound good. Yeah. Sounds good. Awesome. awesome, awesome. So, so, so I, I think for us, like, why don't we start by talking about, let's start with leasing. Okay, so if yeah, you were, if you were going to go say that again, leasing is a lot more complicated. Leasing is a lot more complicated. Good. Yeah, so that, I, think, I think that's a good way to start then. My interpretation of leasing a car, I go buy a car. I look at what the, you know, I, I see the price. Okay. They tell me what the terms of the deal are, and then I just take it. And then there are a couple of additional sort of add-ons, maybe depending on mileage, or do I want to buy the miles on the back end or up front, or um, do I want the tire and wheel package? Like, But that's about the extent of how aggressively I look into a lease, right? Okay. But as 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 an insider, like, how do you see a lease? So being from working for Audi of America for the 20 years career there. Um, there's a lot of moving parts that go into a lease that uh, most people don't even realize. And as a consumer, a lot of times people wanted to lease. I would say, I would say probably like 70% of my customers that came to see me to buy a new Audi, 70% of them leased, 30% of them finance. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we'll probably get into the reasons why that, percentage is so high in leasing. Um, but when it comes to leasing, a consumer normally walks through the door and they, and they normally have a certain budget in mind that they have to kind of stay within if they did some homework before they came in. So they have this monthly budget in their head where they want to stay. So they come in and they basically have the two biggest questions. What's the monthly payment? And how much total out of pocket do I have to put down? And if you're coming in just asking for a monthly payment and total out of pocket just to put down, then you're missing a lot of information and a lot of questions that you should be asking as a consumer walking in uh, when you go to lease a car. So we should really go over those and talk in detail to those. So you fully understand the questions when you go into lease a car, the questions that you really should be asking. 
Awesome. So why don't you give us a couple of examples? Yeah. So let's go through it. So when you lease a car, a brand new car, there used to be years and years ago, you used to be able to lease a used car back in probably 10 years ago. And it was very, very popular um, because the payments were so low on a used car. But nowadays, it's really just new cars. I got away from used car leasing. So when you go to lease a new car, the lease has is based off of a lot of different factors. So you, obviously, you have your MSRP and you have a selling price. Now there's the first mistake that most people make is they don't ask to negotiate the car price first and then talk about the lease. Hmm. So when you go in there, don't talk just about the lease, just talk about the car price first. So you know the selling price of the car, and then you know that that lease is gonna be based off that selling price. So it's always important to negotiate the price first. Because you have what the what the when you whenever you structure a lease, you have the MSRP over here, but you have another line that's called the capitalized cost. It's called capitalized cost reduction. And the capitalized cost reduction is actually the selling price of the car. So you want to make sure you know what that number is. Okay. And then after that, you have uh, the residual value and the money factor. And the residual value and the money factor are important that are built into the lease that you should know about. Now the residual value and the money factor are those those rates are given by the manufacturer. So let's just we're just going to use Audi for examples when we talk about this because that's <laughs> that's all we know. That's all I know. And that's all we know. So so Audi Audi of America Audi Financial every month gives the dealership what the money factors and the lease rates are for each model and it changes every month. So let's we're going to use um, let's just use a residual value of fifty seven percent, or we're looking at let's say we're looking at an Audi Q five, a new Audi Q five, and the residual value is fifty seven percent, and the money factor is point zero zero one nine five. So what does that mean? So the residual value is the is the is the amount of money that you could purchase that car after the lease is done. Got it. So, so if it's a is- if it's a Hundred thousand, just for easy math, if it's a hundred thousand dollar car and the residual value is fifty seven percent, I can buy the car for fifty seven k at the end of the lease. Nope. If the if the residual value is fifty seven percent, then that means that you're gonna lease when you lease the car, you're gonna pay for forty three percent of that car when you're leasing it. Yeah. And that and fifty percent fifty seven percent of the car is the amount you could purchase it for at the end of the lease. Okay. You get that. So let's say, like for argument's sake, let's say the uh, the MSRP of the um, of the Audi Q5 is fifty thousand. The selling price or the capitalized cost reduction price <laughs> is let's say forty seven thousand. But let's say you could you could purchase the car. The residual value at the end of the lease is twenty two thousand four hundred. So that's the amount that you could purchase the car at the end of the lease. And those numbers are kind of set in stone. You can't really change those. Those come from Audi. That's just what it is for that model. Each model has a different residual value and a different money factor. So the, all models aren't the same. So Alfonso, the the lease, the amount that you could buy out the lease for at the end, yep. that's set in stone. That doesn't matter what happens over the next, if you have a three-year lease, it doesn't matter what the market is doing by the time you turn the car back in. Yeah, exactly. That number is set in stone. So that number won't change. Okay. Okay. Um, just to talk about that for a little bit, let's say you you go into a 15,000 mile year lease and then, but you only drive 10,000 miles per year. 
So that residual value is based on that you should return that car at 45,000 miles. That's what the lease was based on. But now you only have 30,000 miles on that car at the end of the lease. That means it's worth it to buy it mm. for sure. Okay. Got it. All right. So that's the residual value. Then after that is the money factor. The money factor, a consumer should always, always, always ask for when they go to lease a car. And hardly anyone does. The only ones that do are the people that are in finance. So the money factor is basically the interest rate that the lease is based on. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's take a money factor of 0 0.00195. Easy, quick calculation to determine what a what a percentage rate is off of a money factor is you take the 0 0.00195 and you multiply that by 2,400. Okay. okay. And that's probably going to give you like what? 4.9 or something. I can't do math off the top of my head that fast, but I try, I trust <laughs> your, I try, let, yeah. let's see what, let's see what this is here. So, so if we did 24.195 times 2,400, 4.68. 4.68. Okay. Yeah. So that's what the percentage rate is on the lease. Every car, every model has a different money factor when you go to lease a car, but it's important to know that. Now, key note on the money factor, let's just say it's 0 0.00195. The dealership can actually increase that money factor. And if they increase that money factor, it's going to give you a higher interest rate on the lease. And the dealership's actually going to make extra money on the lease from the finance company. Okay. Got it. By increasing the rate. That's why it's important to know what that money factor is. Does the original money factor come from Audi Finance, yes. for example? So yes. So that's not rates. that in that case, that point, the point zero zero one nine five is not negotiable. But if it if I ask for that rate and they say it's, you know, point zero zero two five, then, you that know, piece is negotiable potentially. Well, then, you know, that they're playing with the money factor and they're just Got trying it. to make extra money on the lease, which you really shouldn't be doing. Um, but a lot of a lot of dealerships do it. <clears throat> a lot of dealerships do it. So the, you... there's a certain there's a certain amount of percentage that they can only raise it to, which I believe is only 50 basis points. Got it. So when so, you ask for the money factor, what's the way to phrase it to the dealership? Is it, hey, what's the what's the you can say that what's the interest rate on the lease? Okay. And but what's and the gonna... what's the but I would want to know, I would imagine, the original money factor and then what's the money factor that they're giving me? Those yeah, could well, potentially be they, two separate things. They could be two separate things. I mean, they should give you keyword should they should give you the money factor from the manufacturer. Okay. But if you if it's raised, then you know that they're they're just trying to make extra money on in the lease. Okay, so you have the money factor, and that's your residual, that's your percentage rate on the lease. So it's important to know what that is. Okay, so you have that, and then um, and then you have a. Then you have your four main fees that are due when you go to when you go to lease a car. A lot of advertisements that you see out there, they oh, bill whatever. Um, you see like payments, billboards, four ninety nine a month. You know, two thousand dollars down. Mm -hmm. That two thousand dollars down is in addition to the four main fees that you need to start a lease. Okay, that's just extra money down. Okay, so whenever you go to start a lease, a lease is a lot like when you go to when you go to rent an apartment. So you, you go to rent an apartment and what do you usually need down? First month payment, security deposit, maybe last month payment. You know, there's some money that you need down when you go to rent an apartment. 
No different than when you go to lease a car because leasing a car is very similar, similar to renting it from the manufacturer, right? When you go to lease a car, you need your the four main things you need down are the first month payment, your taxes, which we'll talk about in a second because it's not the taxes on the full price of the car, your bank fee. There's always a bank fee with, with every lease and don't ever anyone tell you that there's no bank fee. If they tell you that there's no bank fee, that means they put it somewhere else in the lease. The manufacturer has to get paid their bank fee. They want their bank fee <laughs> and they're going to get paid their bank fee. So there's always a bank fee. So you have your bank fee um, and then you have a refundable security deposit at the end, which some people that's easy to waive. You don't really have to charge that, um, but it's a refundable security deposit at the end. OK, so the taxes. All right. So now whenever you see a lot of lease advertisements again is, you know, you have your down payment, $2,000 down plus, plus, plus. Well, the plus, plus, plus is plus the bank fee plus your taxes and taxes could be a little pricey depending on, you know, the, the, uh, the MSRP of the car. So their taxes is based on the based on the residual value. Um, but it's actually pretty easy to to calculate your taxes in a lease because um, your taxes are based on your monthly payment. So let's just take, I'll do it with my calculator. Let's say you have a $500 monthly payment. So you multiply that by your tax rate. So let's just say tax rate where I'm in Orange County. So I'm going to use 8.125. So 500 times 8.125%. So that's going to give me $40.62. And then you multiply that number by the term of the lease. So you multiply that times 36. So taxes on that is $1,462. So that's how you do it. You take the monthly payment, multiply by your tax rate, and then multiply that by the term of the lease. And if you if you bought the car, is the tax rate dependent on where you where you personally live or it's dependent on where you buy the car? Uh, the tax rate is dependent on where you're registering the car. Registering the car. Yeah. So usually where you live. <clears throat> so that's where your tax rate is going to be based on. Yep. So now in addition to the amount of taxes that you need to pay on the lease, it's not just the payment. So your payment is part of it, of the total taxes. But then the bank fee, <laughs> that most people don't know this, but the bank fee actually is also taxed because the bank fee is considered like a down payment. So that, let's say the bank fee is $895, then you multiply that by 8.125, and that you have to put on top of your taxes. And then if you put any additional money down, so besides the required fees that are required to put down towards the lease, if you put any more additional money down to help maybe lower the payment, any additional money is also taxed. So you have to be huh. careful. This is one of the reasons that if you talk to a CPA or or an accountant, and you ask them, you know, how should I structure this lease? A lot of them will tell you, don't put any money, extra money down, just what's required because it's taxed. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so those you're are the getting, you're paying the additional tax, you're paying that, whatever that, that tax rate is, that's adding on to the taxes tax that too. are already there based off of the monthly payment. But in theory, if the monthly payment is lower, I'd have to do the math, right? If the monthly payment is lower because you put down more money in a down payment, doesn't that reduce the tax due on that particular part of it as well or not really? 
Say that again. I'm sorry. So if the taxes are based on your monthly payment, right? Yep. And then that's assessed the tax rate. Yep. Yep. Tax rate on where you live, where you're going to be registered. And if you're theoretically putting down more money than to reduce the payment, then your your tax on that piece should be lower as well, right? But is it just not as much? No, if you put down more money to reduce the payment, then, then your total taxes are going to go up. Up front. Yeah, up front. Got it. Yeah, that's why they don't that's why they don't advise a lot of people hmm. to put a lot of money down on a lease. So that's one reason not to put a lot of money down on a lease because it's going to get taxed. But another reason that you really have to think about and putting a lot of money extra down on the lease just to maybe help lower the monthly payment is if you were to get in a total collision of the car with let's say within the first six months you're getting a total collision of the car, then then the additional money that you put down that wasn't required to start the lease, you have risk of losing that money and not getting it back. Oh, interesting. Because it's additional money that was put down. Because when you total a car, the the the, manu the manufacturer wants to you know get paid out. They want to get paid out. So, so Alfonso, do you ever do you ever lease your cars? What's that? Do you ever lease your cars? No, I mean, when I was there, I always got a company car, so I never had a lease oh, car. Nice. <laughs> so, Alfonso, yeah. so based off of what you're kind of sharing, right, the things that you can really negotiate are, are the selling price. So, basically, the yeah. car is the MSRP is what it is, right? Let's say yeah. it comes out of the manufacturer, they say it's worth 100000 but the, the dealer could sell whatever they want to sell that for, right? I'm sure maybe there's a cap, but they sell for whatever that is. That piece is negotiable, perhaps, right? And yeah. then the second part would be, the money factor, right? Those two pieces could potentially be negotiable when you're doing the deal. Well, the money factor should be what the manufacturer that should be stated from the manufacturer when they put out the lease rates. Okay. It shouldn't be higher than that. Is that something yeah. you just find online? Is that public information? Uh, yeah, you should be able to. You should be able to. Um, it used to not be, but I think it is now. It should be public information. But if you go ahead and ask, you know, your sales rep, uh, what the money factor is. Um, that's going to throw up a, like a, not a red flag, but it's going to throw up an idea to him saying, Oh, I bet I better not mess around with this money factor. Yeah. 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 I mean, again, I think that's part of the deal here, right? Is we're just trying to educate folks on kind of how this works so that, yeah. you know, we have a little bit of control or new or insight as to like, cause you, you don't know, again, you, you're right. You're hundred no percent right. It's how much, how much money down. Yeah. How many miles and yeah. what's my monthly payment? And literally, like if those three things are, um, if those are a comfortable amount, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. You're in. You're in. You don't care about anything else. Yeah. You're in. Yeah. But you could be overspending. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I thought was interesting, right, that I had never, never seen before, like during COVID, I always thought that I would be negative equity on a car for the most part. Yeah. Um, leasing, but I had a really interesting experience and this is maybe unique to COVID, but when I went to go turn in my car, the residual, What's the residual value was lower than what the, the dealership wanted to, to, to buy it from me because whatever mm -hmm. they could sell it for was significantly more than yeah. what the residual value was. And I yeah. wasn't going to sit there and my, you know, my wife would have killed me if I said, okay, well, I'm just going to buy this outright and I'm going to spend the time and the energy to try to go sell this myself mm -hmm. in the open market. She would have killed me, right? <laughs> With a little extra. So she was just like, just, you know, if they're willing to buy it from you, which they were, I ended up being net cash flow positive on on the sale of the of the of a leased car, which I didn't even know was possible.
Yeah, yeah. So that's not a lot of dealerships do that because um, realistically, uh, you don't really own the car. Right. The manufacturer owns the car. Yeah. So, right. And you're just leasing it from them. You know, yeah. so the title is actually in the manufacturer's name, not in your name. Um, so that, that was that was what my question earlier was based on of when you start the lease, the what you could buy it out for is going to yes. set in stone. But it, it sounds like it is like at the end of the lease, it is determined based on market conditions, like whether it makes sense to either buy it out or sell it back to them. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of it's just going to be based again on market conditions, and a lot of it's going to be paid, the uh, the majority of it's going to be based on inventory. So just like it's, mm-hmm. and this is where the car industry is very somewhat similar to the you know the housing industry. Um, mm-hmm. House prices go up when inventory is low. Same goes true for cars. Yeah. Um, so when it's inventory is really low and there's a need for used cars, then you know your used car value is going to be a lot higher. So that's why you can actually have equity at the end of the lease if the lease rates were good going into it and was able to ha- hold a, a lower residual value yeah the, the lease rates going in were fantastic but then coming out i mean it was you know you couldn't strike a deal anywhere again mid-covid yeah. like if you got a car in that thing was gone in probably 30 seconds right so yeah. they were like dying yeah. for to to buy inventory to be able to sell it and that's um, the and if that's i the if way. i would have if i it, it, we had a baby on the way, so having the S5 wasn't going to be a good a good scenario because it's you know like this, right? Like yeah, at a forty five yeah. degree angle for a car seat in the back. But yeah. you know, if I could have held on to that car, I would have. But we needed a larger car, so I kind of just it was just the way that the, that life worked. But yeah. um, I remember recommending to a lot of clients when they were coming due, you know, what's the market look like? What's going to cost me a fortune to buy a new car? You know, the conversation was really when maybe you should consider kind of buying out your lease if you if you can do it. So the, I think the a lot of folks ended up doing that peak COVID yeah. times. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. So any, anything else that you think, you know, the audience needs to know about the leasing experience or any other things that you would kind of recommend in, in that space? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, just know to like when you go to buy your lease at the end of at the end of even though you pay taxes on the lease to start. Um, you still have to pay taxes on the price of the car at the residual value at the end of the lease if you go to buy it. Uh, just it's good to know gotcha. that. Uh, one thing that you really want to make sure that you have inside of your lease when you're leasing the car is gap insurance. You want to make sure that you have gap insurance when you lease a car. Some manufacturers, it's standard. Some, it's not. Um, so what is gap insurance? Let's say you're leasing a car and let's say you're into the car for about a year. And all of a sudden you hit a deer or something happens and your car is declared total. It's total. Like I said before, manufacturer is going to want to get paid no matter what. They want to get paid whatever's left in the lease. So what happens is your insurance company said, let's just say for argument's sake, you owe uh, $25,000 left on the lease that you still have to pay that the manufacturer wants to get paid at the time of the collision. But let's say that your insurance company comes and says, well, Sorry, but the car is only worth twenty thousand. We're only giving you twenty thousand, so they want twenty five thousand, and they want twenty five thousand manufacturer. And the car, your insurance company says, "I'm sorry, but it's only worth twenty thousand. Well, then you're going to be liable to pay that five thousand dollar gap unless you have gap insurance built into the lease. Gap insurance built into the lease helps with that situation in the event of a total loss on a lease. So that's through the lease. It's not through your auto insurance. Correct. It's through the lease. It has to be built oh, into the lease. 
Yeah, so it's very very important that um, you have that built in. Awesome. Right, least, would you would you find would you say that that's standard or or rare? Um, in the in the higher end cars, it's standard, but it, it it also depends on state that you're in. I know in New York, most of it's standard, but not, not in Connecticut. So if you go to buy a car in Connecticut or even New Jersey, a lot of times it's not built in there, or they charge you. Like with Audi in New York, um, it was standard. We uh, Audi's it all it was always included with with every lease was cap insurance. But if you go to like New Jersey, they might charge you like four or five hundred dollars just to have cap insurance. Got it. Every state's a little different. Every state's a little different. Um, but when it comes to, when it comes to leasing, a lot of it's you know it's good to know if you should lease or you know if you finance. It's good to know all the different aspects of leasing. But it's really depends on the person whether they're a good leasing candidate or not. It all depends on the, you know their habits and their driving habits and if they like change or if they want it, if they need all the best technology in their car. If they don't want to worry about a car if ever anything was ever to happen to it, that's just peace of mind for you know three years. If anything happens to it, you have nothing to worry about. At least you're under a lease, you should be covered. So that's that's why. That, would that include like scratches and scuffing mm-hmm. rims and stuff like that? Yeah, so uh, no, at the end of the lease, this is also important to know, at the end of the lease, you're going to have a lease and inspection. And a third-party company is going to come out and they're going to inspect the car. And they're going to walk around it and they're going to have a little pad and they're going to take little notes and they're going to mark up anything that they see that is damaged. Um, They allow for certain wear and tear. Um, Most of them, most manufacturers, including Audi, practice the credit card rule. So if it's within, if damage is within the size of a credit card, then that's usually what normal wear and tear. If it's outside of a credit card, then that's when they charge you for it. But they're also gonna charge you for tires. So if you do 15,000 miles a year, you do 45,000 miles in your car, when you bring that car back, uh, that car is gonna need tires and they're gonna charge you for tires. Just, you know, you have to know that going in. If you do 10,000 miles per year and bring a car back with 28,000 miles on it, 30,000 miles, you probably, they'll probably won't charge it because there's some life left in those tires. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just know that you, they, they're going to probably charge you. At the, Alfonso, at the I think it's probably a good time to pivot over to sort of the other option, right? Which is to buy a car. Like what are the things, yeah. you know, you, you, leasing is clearly complicated and I appreciate you kind of sharing those and in terms of like buying a car, like what, what are the general mis- best practices around that things that, you know, a consumer can use for their, for their ammunition when they go do that? I think the biggest thing when, when it comes to buying a car uh, or even leasing a car, um, but when it comes to really buying a car, what you really have to decide if you're going to buy a new car, what you really have to decide is where are you going to service the car? Because where you service the car should be where you buy the car. Because it's great to have that kind of buy service relationship. Because when you do, if there's a situation and you're in there for service and there's a problem or there's an issue, if you didn't buy the car there where you're servicing it, then they're probably not going to be that apt to help you out. But if you bought the car there and now you're servicing it with them, then you know, that dealership's going to do bend over a little more backwards for you because you're, you're a customer of theirs already. So I think that it's, you have to kind of determine where you want to do that first. Then once you determine where you want to buy the car, then let's say you want to buy an Audi in Westchester. 
if I knew I wanted to buy an Audi in Westchester and I only wanted to service it in Westchester because I live five miles from the dealership, then I would go to two other dealerships in New Jersey or Connecticut or even outside of where you want to purchase it from. Go check out the car there. Get your pricing there. Be educated from there and then bring all that information, the prices that you have for everything, the interest rates that you have for everything the selling price, the model, the color, bring all that information into where you want to purchase the car. Because then now you're going in there, now you're educated, you've done your homework, you know what these cars are going for, you know the inventory, you're educated on the models that's available, and now you're going there to purchase it where you where you want to purchase it. Because then once you go there and, and then you have all this ammunition that you could now go back to them with, whether it's pricing, or availability or colors you already did all your homework so that's 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 what i would do um whatever when you want to purchase a new car even or even well used cars are a little they're they're difficult because they're kind of one of a kind <laughs> in, in, new, terms of, in, in terms of the thing you can negotiate for for purchasing a car i would assume yeah. it's mainly just the selling price is that sort of it uh when the, when it comes to new cars it's uh it's selling price it it's and then it's also you have much more flexibility and much more leverage in negotiating a new price on a car if the car is in stock. So if the car, if they have the car on their lot, then you have a little bit more negotiation. And why do you have more negotiation? There's many reasons. Just to give you a couple of reasons, two of the main reasons. Number one, every car that is sitting in the lot of a dealership, every car, that dealership is paying interest on that car on a daily basis. So the quicker they can get that car out, the quicker they can take it off their books. That's that's number one. Uh, number two is most dealerships like to sell a car and deliver that car in a, in a 48 hour period. And if they have it on stock, they, they could do that. You know, if they don't have it in stock, then they have to go find it at another dealership. They have to pay a driver to go get it, bring it in. It's a longer process. And they're bringing in another car that that uh, that's not theirs. Then they have to be wary of, is there damage on that car that they're bringing in? They really get to check it out. Is there anything, any issues, even if it's a new car? There's People don't think there's issues with new cars. There's issues with new cars. <laughs> <laughs> there's issues with new cars, too. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so uh, so it's always best to try to find or buy something that a dealership has in their inventory. Awesome. You get a better you get a better deal on that. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think as we kind of wrap this up, Alfonso. Again, I appreciate this. this I took like two pages of notes here. Um, <laughs> you know, as we as we kind of wrap this up, are there any like one or two things that either you didn't have a chance to say or anything in particular you want to make sure that the listening audience takes away from the conversation today? Yeah, yeah, like. Um, you know, years and years ago, you know, dealerships probably didn't have the you know the best rap. You know, everyone says you know going to buy, buy a car is a you know painful ex experience, like going to the dentist. You know, I used to hear that a lot. But you know, those those times have changed. Um, dealerships aren't you know uh, what they used to be. Now you go into a to a you know a nice dealership. You know, you should expect to get treated you know, very, in a very professional manner. Um, they should be knowledgeable about their product. Um, they should be passionate about their product and what they're doing. And you're going to find that from years ago to today, I feel like as 
you know, I started there, you know, you know, 20 years ago, the first 10 years wasn't as, as it was, it changed my second 10 years there. And what changed was that there's definitely a younger population going into the, into the car business now. Um, you know, you have your older population where guys are maybe, or girls trying out a different, a different um, a job, you know, trying a different career, different, you know, at, in the car business. And I've seen a lot of them come. I've seen a lot of them go when I was there. I think there's over my 20 years, I think I saw like 150 different people come and go through the sales department, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like the staple for a long, long time. Um, so I think, uh, you know, the car industry has changed, um, but have higher standards. If you feel like someone do- doesn't really know their product or not inept with what's going on in, in the models that they're selling and their manufacturer and knows all the information about that, then try, try someone else because they should. That, you know, don't settle for less when it comes to, to car buying because you're buying, you know, you're not buying a pair of sneakers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're mm-hmm. buying something that's very expensive. So, you know, you know, most car dealerships are, you know, they're they're pretty educated now. It's diff- very different than it already used to be. Awesome. Well, Alfonso, we really, really appreciate the time. Thanks for thanks for being generous with the information and give us uh, giving us the inside scoop. So um, we really, really appreciate you being on. Of course. Of course, man. Happy to do it. Awesome. And to you, the listening audience, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Please click subscribe below to be notified when we have a new podcast episode. Talk soon, guys. Be well. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Style Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Opus Private Client, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian and its subsidiaries do not issue or advise regarding auto sale, purchases, or loans. Yvonne Watanabe and Evan Wool are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA SIPC, financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America. Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Opus Private Client, LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Opus Private Client, LLC is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Yvonne's California Insurance License, 0H44206. Evans California Insurance License, 0H04936. Compliance Approval 2023-163316 expires October 2025.